The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Friday, June 21st, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hami Media. And of course, in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking some AEW, New Japan, MLW, NXT, and your stomping grounds preview. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, I see you didn't get drafted last night. I am still available. I am still out there going to hit the free agency. But hey, anybody out there, if you're looking, if you're looking for, for that, that next great power forward and look no further than it's me, it's me. It's that order the B to the B. Get ready for the weekend here. Get ready to talk a little pro wrestling on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We apologize that there has not been an HTM Sports this week. We have been incredibly busy. My 12 days straight at work are finally over. Thank God it's finally the weekend. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you that. What's the countdown? Yeah, so, but it's over. It's it's officially over. I, I'm very anxious to get this show done so I can go take a nap. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, but of course, we had the NBA draft last night. We didn't get a whole lot of chance to talk about it beforehand. It seems as though everything pretty well went scratch exactly the way that we thought it was going to. You know, it's funny, man, because I had this whole thing laid out for uh, HTM Sports, so I'll get into it now. The NBA draft and the NFL draft. Two completely different worlds. You know, the NFL draft, you're you're out there looking for superstars, guys that could possibly break through. It's seven rounds. It's really deep. The NBA, you get two rounds. There's about three players inside of the draft that are actually worth anything. And most of these guys are going to be playing in the G League next year. Uh, you know what? I, I think you really look – I think you're – maybe you're not giving them enough credit. Uh, I think, you know, and especially in that top 12, I mean, you could see some people that could come immediately and start – uh, helping change maybe the atmosphere within certain franchises, it, it, especially looking through that top 12 and some, some very dynamic young teams in there. Uh, but we did see a, a lot of movers. As you said, obviously your, your big three there. But, you know, I think even that second tier player there, that like I said, there's going to be quite a few people that can come in and make an immediate impact for a lot of these teams. I guess the Atlanta Hawks trying to uh, get up to number three to take R.J. Barrett and the New York Knicks were like, nope, 
We're keeping him. At least we got that to build around there in New York. Of course, they can have a broken Kevin Durant. It seems as though that's going to happen. Kyrie Irving still on the market. No idea where he's going to end up. I think it all kind of depends on this Kevin Durant situation. But, Rick, you know, we, we almost have a pro wrestling story going on down in Houston. As it seems as though Chris Paul and CP3 are playing the feud. Harden says it's me or him. And CP3 says it's me. And now everybody is denying everything and everything. Everything is fine in Houston. Uh, yeah, most certainly. Who's who's going to turn on who? Who is going to send who smashing through that barbershop window down there in Houston? Uh, that's most certainly if we were talking about. You know, we've regularly been talking about on multiple platforms. You know, the draft is just going to start this thing here. What's really going to be interesting is the drama inside free agency and all these movers that we're going to see here in this offseason. And obviously, things are not right down there in Houston. What do you think of Kevin Durant? Where do you think he ends up? Is he going to be in Golden State? Is he going to be in New York, Nick? Well, you know, everything is going to come down to – is a team willing to to invest right now that max pay knowing you're not going to get any production next year or, 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 very, or very little? It sounds like Golden State is willing to offer him the five-year Supermax. I mean, why would you not take the five-year Supermax to stay with the Golden State Warriors? Why would you go to the dumpster fire that is the New York Knicks to make less money? Well, it, it, you know, you're also, I mean, you are negotiating things. And just outside of the pay, they can work in some other little perks into each contract. So maybe they are looking to really maximize that. Silicon Valley, New York City. Well, you know, and also just outside of that contract, why, if you stay relevant in that news, then other sponsors are looking at you as well. You think so Kevin Durant it, has a hard time getting sponsors? Hey, mo money, mo money, mo money. That's what you're looking for, especially right now. You know, there's with all, but it could be a good backfire here where this turmoil kind of turns people off to that. Yeah, right now he's a hero. He went from a villain to a hero. It'll be interesting to see if he goes back to a villain. I, I will. Uh, I will say you'd mentioned Atlanta there. I, I like that young little crop they've got down there, especially in the East. I think you know within a year or so they could be very competitive. I'm very intrigued by what New Orleans is doing, kind of seeing their game plan and how it's all coming together. I think that's going to be a fun team as long as Levar Ball can keep his big mouth shut. Hey, I'll tell you. Uh, obviously, outside of of Zion. Uh, there are other big pick for the Pelicans in this. Uh, Jackson Hayes is from Cincinnati here. He's a Molar grad. Nice. Very nice. I also like uh, John Morant going to Memphis. Of course, he he played right down the street at Wichita State. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go on a limb here. I think he's going to be your rookie of the year. I don't think it's going to well, be Zion. He, he was Murray State, wasn't he? Murray State, Kent State, Wichita <laughs> State, all them fucking states, man. <laughs> It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Uh, you, you know, we've we've got a little saying here from one of our uh, whatever schools here in Ohio. We have uh, right state. Uh, it's it's right state, wrong school. <laughs> That's tremendous. Let's uh, let let's pick up with uh, some AEW. We got a little bit of AEW news on the show this week. Uh, kind of broke a little under the radar yesterday. Fight for the Fallen is going to be airing for free on Bleacher Report Live, very much like Fighter Fest. We also got word for all of our friends outside of the United States. These shows are going to be available internationally for just 10 bucks on Fight TV. So what do you think of this strategy, Rick, where you got the big pay-per-views? It seems that they're going to sell for, you know, 50 bucks a pop. And then these smaller B-level pay-per-views, you can stream them for free on Bleacher Report, and then our international friends can pay 10 bucks for it. Well, you know what? Really what I'm guessing, I don't know if we're, they're going to stick to that. What was it? The $50, $60 
uh, pay-per-view model. I, I just don't know how long you can sustain that. And, and we saw how many individuals were, I mean, just absolutely complaining about it and then going to other streaming sources. They still had 98,000 buys, though. I, I, I get that. But as... But as the luster begins to wear a little bit, people are going to look for a better value. I think that's going to change. But but within that, I want to compliment them. You know, bravo to them. You know, reaching out here, they they realize that there is a, a great – I mean, there's a great base there. And they need to continue to grow that. And this is how you're going to do this. Uh, there are so many other individuals out there that maybe they don't know how to or just don't want to take the time to even find a stream. You're going to offer this for free. It's very easy to access. This right here, this is this is great publicity for them. And the other thing that's great is all you have to do is sign up for a Bleacher Report live account, which is very easy to do. You can even log in through your Facebook browser. And guess what? Then they have your email address to email you and remind you about the upcoming shows, including the ones that you have to pay for. This is freaking great. Well, and everything, everything. You're building, you're building that direct link. You you're bet. building, you're building that email blast, especially as you're going into television to keep people reminded that might not because you know, running simple commercials, uh, pop-up ads, those aren't as effective as they used to be, especially in the world of DVR or you know, just click click and move on by it. Uh, this right here is going to be a direct link with these email blasts. Yep. I think this is just great all the way around. Uh, all Out. We do have a little bit more news regarding All Out, the AEW Women's Championship. Real, real quick on that, real quick. Uh, just to go back to, you know, it's been a little while since I've signed up for my Bleacher Report account. Uh, did they get your phone number as well? I don't think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure I just logged in with my Facebook account. I know that's the easiest way, but a lot of times people, uh, they'll ask you for information. They want to access that information because in, I'd say probably 85, 90%, uh, Facebook, your Facebook account is linked to a phone number. And if they can access that, then you just go outside of email blast. You can just do text blast on those things as well. I don't know, man. I've gotten pretty hardcore about my privacy settings. If you're not a friend of mine on Facebook, you can see like my profile picture. They, and they will still, it. they will still, when you're accessing something through those LinkedIn accounts like that, uh, unless, you know, going back to the South Park episode where Kyle just wouldn't read the account and he ended up at a human centipede eating burritos out of an Asian guy's ass. I mean, you got to read into that. They, they'll, they'll allow that even if you believe your privacy settings and your account are set to block that. We will talk about Ricochet a little bit later on in the show. Uh, let's talk about All Out. The AEW Women's Championship will be debuted at All Out. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if we're going to get the actual championship match at All Out or if they're just going to do kind of like they did at Double or Nothing and just present the title. Of course, we had Brett the Hitman Hart, and of course, we had heard that it was supposed to be Ric Flair. Who would you like to see present the AEW Women's Championship? Medusa? Oh, wow. You know, you know, I'd like to see this really be maybe a collective thing. Uh, I think, you know, you're still really establishing Brandy is one of, you know, the faces, uh, you know, that corporate structure. I think she she needs to be involved there. And I'd like to see them, uh, you know, bring in some different individuals, maybe have like a little group of four of them that are all there for this presentation. It's a, it, you know, when you're talking about the, the women's history in professional wrestling, it doesn't seem as though it goes back nearly as far. So we have a, a much smaller crop to pick from. Do you suppose they could pull somebody like Alita or a Trish Stratus? Or are they all locked into WWE Legends deals where they'd have to report that sort of thing? Because, I mean, I, I assume Brett's on a Legends deal, right? 
You would think so. Uh, he'd have to get the permission to be there and all that. And then you also kind of wonder, you know, what you want to watch what bridges you're burning. Uh, obviously, Bret Hart doesn't really he doesn't care about that. Yeah, Bret, Bret burned uh, all those bridges to the freaking ground years well, ago. Well, I'm just going to say, you know, and they've they've kind of, you know, they they've made nice a little bit. But I don't think that Brett's going to lose any sweat if WWE never calls him again. No. Uh, so if you're looking at someone, you know, like Alita or a Trish like that, uh, they might still be interested. They still have ties there. And even if, you know, if you're a Trish, uh, is there a little bit of backlash towards Alita? You know, if, you know, the best friend, the people that they bring together, they talked about you guys coming back to work matches for this tag. You know, I'm wondering, is, this, is it really is impactful? I mean, it was cool to have Brett go out there. He fumbled a little bit. That moment was more about that belt. We weren't talking about Brett Hart being there. We were talking about how the belt looked and getting ready to crown our first champion there. Uh, do you go maybe a different direction and just try to bring in, uh, maybe you reach out and you bring in other strong women figures from other sports and saying, hey, our division immediately is going to go to this level. Uh, you bring in maybe, uh, you know, a standout from the WNBA. Maybe you get somebody if, if you can swing it from this this World Cup team. And that's what I'm talking about. Maybe that panel you're representing other sports and saying our division is going right to that level. And of course, when you have somebody like Tony Khan at the head of the company, that absolutely helps when you're trying to get uh, some kind of mainstream sports credibility because he's got all those connections already, especially inside of the soccer world. Uh, Tony Khan was on the Steve Austin show earlier this week. Did you get a chance to listen to that interview at all? Uh, I did. Well, actually, uh, I, I read most of it, but then I went to listen to what I wanted to hear back. Tony Khan totally came across like he was an absolute mark for Stone Cold Steve Austin. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Uh, he did have a couple pieces of interesting information inside of this though uh one thing i thought was very interesting was the tag title tournament is going to be the main focus of the tv show this fall when aew launches i feel like that's the absolute perfect strategy because you know no matter what vince mcmahon and bucky are never going to get behind the tag team division so that immediately sets you completely apart from what the wwe is doing i think this is a great strategy well, you know, to speak to your first comment there about uh, Mr. Khan coming off as a mark, uh, I kind of took that. That was by design. That very well could be. It, he's he's that relatable figure within their company. You know, you, you, you got the wrestlers. They're running their thing here. Then you got this outsider. He's living that dream of, of any fan. I mean, he, he is going to sit right there near the top of an actual, you know, global competitor at the very top in the world of professional wrestling. He's that relatable. He's that relatable individual. He's for a lot of fans. He's Todd Gordon. That's that's very much the impression that I get from Tony Khan. He's Todd Gordon and what he was to ECW. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that relatable individual. So I thought that was by design. Uh, about the tag division, absolutely love this. You know, that was one of the things that, that they hammered home. One of the points at that first pep rally is the tag, tag team wrestling can main event. And a lot of people, you know, immediately thought it could close shows because they, they were doing that. But now we're taking that to the next level. It's going to be the basis. It's going to be at the forefront of when they hit the air. We are going to be fully focused on tag team wrestling. And that's something that, you know, is so important to the Bucks and so important to the industry. Well, and even like when you look inside of NXT, how many times has the tag team championship match stolen a takeover? Like there's obviously a demand for tag team wrestling. It's just the WWE doesn't like tag team wrestling. And it's been that way for eons. And there's a multitude of reasons for it. Some of them good and some of them not as good. 
Yeah, I mean, it's all over the board, you know, but Vince has always been one of those big, it's it's more about individual stars to him. And, and Bucky he has, doesn't like the way it looks. It, it, it's yeah. more it's more difficult to shoot for a TV property. It, it, it absolutely is. And then, and then you go back to even in Vince's eyes, uh, so many people have, have kind of relayed this message. And I, I believe Stevie has mentioned it uh, over on the Hami Media Group. I know that, you know, JR has talked about it. Cornette's talked about it. It's in, in Vince's eyes, if he needs, if he has to do tag team wrestling, he'd rather do it with two individual stars than people that kind of just blend in together. Uh, that's how he has viewed tag team wrestling, and that's why it's kind of went to the wayside. I, I like that you that you mentioned NXT here, Jargo. This this seems like the perfect time to strike for for AEW as the NXT tag division is probably arguably at a low point it's about the lowest that it's ever been and it, it's funny that you bring up and the, I, I guess i guess it's not a low point it's it's at an absolute reset because yeah. you know they will rebuild that it, it, it's funny because i was watching the road to fighter fest and this week they had a vignette for a team called private party who has been on the independent scene for quite a while now i'd heard about him but i'd never really seen him and as i'm sitting there watching it i was like Oh my God, the Street Profits just straight up stole these guys' gimmick. I mean, just like straight up lifted it as they're sitting there talking and everything. I was like, damn, that is Montez Ford and the fat guy. Well, yeah, but you see that all the time in professional wrestling. You know, oh, people yeah. sampling other other people's, you know, gimmicks and all that to hey, if it's working somewhere else, I mean, I tell you where in business, just not professional wrestling. You see someone else where it's working well. And there was synonymous with, with Tuesdays. you got to eat tacos. You're damn right. I love my tacos on Tuesday. Uh, so kind of looking at the tag division, obviously we've got the Young Bucks. We've got the Lucha Bros. We've got the Dark Order. We've got Private Party. We've got Angelico and Jack Evans. I mean, that's already five teams deep. That's better than both of the, the Raw and SmackDown tag divisions just right off the top of my head. Well... I mean, that's, I mean, how can, it's not really fair to make that comparison because the WWE tank divisions are just so abysmal. I mean, they're so pathetic. Uh, they essentially have become the new divas division, uh, how they've been handled. Just not, just not even within 2019, but over the, you know, the course of the last five, 10 years, been an absolute joke, but you are, you're right. 100% right. Uh, this is a tremendous basis for this tank division and it offers so much diversity. There's a little bit of something in there for everybody. Yeah. yeah, it's a really good tag division. And then especially if it, the rumors are true, I heard that the Revival once again turned down a contract extension. So maybe you throw the Revival into into that tag division. The Good Brothers supposedly are on their way out. You could throw them into that tag division. And then you've got Tama Tonga, who's just talking smack about legitimately every tag team that is not inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling, which kind of makes me wonder if, uh, could you see G.O.D. making their way out of New Japan and to an AEW? Because I could kind of see that at this point. Like, what is left for G.O.D. inside of New Japan? Well, I mean, it, there's, I mean, you can weigh this thing so many from so many different directions. Uh, obviously, you know, they they have taken the reins over there in New Japan. They are what reaches out to that West, what is truly cool for New Japan in the West. Uh, people absolutely love the GOP. Uh, so, I mean, they lost a little steam with their merchandise and all that, but, but the Bullet Club is still drawing attention. Um, I think they just have to maybe redirect that, get some a different marketing uh, machine behind that there, but you're, but you're exactly. But could you see them making the full time move? I mean, couldn't they just come over to a couple tours like that? 
Yeah, they could. And it very well could be a talent exchange, too, where it's like, hey, we need a couple of teams to fill out World Tag League. We'll, you know, let G.O.D. come over and run for a couple of months. Uh, yeah. And, and then I, I know we're going to get into it here in a little bit, you know, about Moxley's deal. I mean, so we don't really know the, you know, the exact details of when you're exclusive to AEW. You know, what does that truly mean? Is that on a global scale? Because now, you know, we've seen on Conan coming out saying that that the Lucha Bros, they, they have two exclusive deals. Yeah, they'll be with in, in two AEW, different countries. AEW in the States and with AAA in Mexico. Correct. Which I think is a, an incredibly smart move. We've talked on the show for months now about how overexposed the Lucha Bros are. I hate to see them leave MLW. I hate to see them leave Impact Wrestling. But it, it seems like now is absolutely the time. Yeah, and speaking of Impact Wrestling, there's another one to talk about. What if LAX makes that jump? You know what, what really worries me now with the with the ever expanding landscape inside professional wrestling. We've had this conversation just briefly before. We wanted to see some things play out before we really dove into it. Uh, but two promotions that that I'm terrified for here, and I know it, we hear this repeatedly, but this is by it for different reasons. Uh, Impact Wrestling, can they survive this? Uh, I mean, there's there's great territory wars going on here. And just everybody, obviously, you've got the juggernaut WWE. And then that next tier, that, that next dance card is is seriously filling up. And you, you wonder how big of an impact, no pun intended, is AEW going to make there? Uh, I, I worry about Impact Wrestling the most. Can they actually survive this here? And I know they're, they're kind of that cockroach that it just never goes away. Uh, but this is a different dynamic. You know, this isn't just because things are bad this is because the marketplace is drastically changing if lax uh, jumps you have already released scarlet bordeaux killer cross wants out brian cage was ready to be in the battle royal at double or nothing if those four acts leave impact wrestling what is left i mean are, are you seriously going to build that company around big mike elgin which i i like big mike don't get me wrong but i don't think he's my number one baby face or heel i don't i wouldn't be going around yelling too much that you like big mike uh especially on this platform here with our partnership with the gorilla physician.com because ryan bowman might go through the freaking roof again well, on this thing let me but, rephrase i like him as a talent regardless of what right, i think of him as I, uh, personally just, just joking about that one but hey you know what it, uh, that's to your dance card there. Maybe for Impact Wrestling, it is about going back to a true territory. We, we've heard those rumors here in the last couple of years that just go back and focus, focus on running Canada. Don't worry about your big television deals. Kind of scale back. Maybe that's the direction they go in. Uh, in addition to that, I'm a little bit worried also for Ring of Honor. We're seeing attendance is way down. They're, they don't really seem to have that same appeal anymore. They're, they're kind of lost trying to find themselves. I feel a little more secure with them because, yes, uh, Sinclair – absolutely is, in, is not invested in going overboard with the product, but they're invested in, in cheap syndication television. Yep. Yeah. That, and that, and that's pretty much what ROH is to Sinclair at this point. And it, part of that I put on ROH and I hate to say it because I never want to see anybody lose their job, but dude, delirious has got to go. Like this is some of the most, the booking out of ring of honor for the last year and a half or so has been, trash it is just the most uninspired booking unless it was attached to members of the elite who were doing their own creative well you, 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 if trying to you know lumping 
Impact and Ring of Honor together. I think one of the biggest mistakes that, that each of these companies are making is they're trying to follow too closely behind the footsteps, the direction of WWE. They're trying to be too much to too many people. Yeah. Uh, what made what made those companies great in their heyday was we could define what they are. You you knew you could define the X division. You knew who the staples were in the main event scene. Great tag team wrestling from Impact and TNA. And with Ring of Honor, it was pure. I mean, it was. It, it was over the top indie, but it was pure wrestling. And now they've lost, you know, they've lost who they are. They are going to have a pure rules match coming up at Best in the World, which intrigued me greatly between Jonathan Gresham and Silas Young, which I think very well could steal the best match of the night with those two guys going under pure rules, which is something we haven't seen inside of ROH in quite a while. Did you like that championship when I had it? I didn't necessarily care for the championship, but I love the idea of the division. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure that it necessarily needs a championship. Like, I'm fine with, let's say Jonathan Gresham wins this match. I'm fine with Jonathan Gresham calling himself the best pure wrestler on the face of the planet. And if somebody wants to challenge him for that title, cool. But I'm not sure that he needs a belt for it. So, okay, so more so it could have been presented as almost like the code of honor. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be absolutely fine with that. And it was one of those things that set ROH apart. Kind of like the code of honor. Yet the code of honor is stuck around and how we even see it in different promotions now. Uh, let, let's let's stick with AEW a little bit and shift to New Japan and talk about John Moxley and this Moxley situation. Um, Moxley is not going to be appearing at the G1 press conference this year because the press conference is in Dallas and he cannot appear for any company other than AEW inside the United States on a streaming service or pay-per-view or television otherwise. This just seems to me like this is bad timing. Like if this first show for the G1 was going to be in Japan, like it has been the other 28 years, this is not an issue. It's the fact that we're doing the first show in Dallas. And I'm sure this is why Moxley was put in the B block. I don't see where this is a big deal. I really don't. Yeah. It's like, you know, it just, it just makes sense here. Uh, you know, we had speculated Monday in the locker room, you know, why, you know, why was he, you know, why wasn't he going to be a part of this Dallas thing? We, we kind of had speculated, had something to do about New Japan World trying to increase the buys there, which I think it absolutely will. So that's a happy accident that fell into their lap. But I mean, this makes sense. I mean, and this is what we're going to have to really look at when we're, as we were talking about G.O.D. possibly crossing over is, you know, what are the limitations on these contracts for each for each promotion? Yeah. And I, I didn't feel bad about it at all. It's just like, oh. Okay, yeah, that makes total sense. You know, it's it's just business. That makes com- all the sense in the world right. to me. Well, I, I think a bigger question here also, though, is as we had speculated, you know, what is the working relationship between AEW and New Japan? And this kind of, you know, would lead you to believe there isn't really much one. Right. Handle your business for each one. Make sure that the contracts do not conflict with one another and scheduling like this. So there might they might not be as tight as cahoots as, as we once thought they were. And this is the other one that intrigues me and intrigues me greatly is Chris Jericho. Jericho, obviously, he's not going to be Chris Giwanico. He's not going to going to try to run through the G1. He's not advertised for the Dallas show. Obviously, he's a full-time AEW contracted talent. But we do know that the contracts are a little bit different because when Moxley signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling, the AEW deal was not done yet. The AEW deal was done after 
after the New Japan contract. So this language was put in the AEW contract, and Moxley is saying, I'm going to honor that. Now, we also know that Jericho had it put in his contract that he could still work New Japan Pro Wrestling. I don't know if there's any language that says in the States, in Japan, whatever. But my question is, this would be a hell of an opportunity for Chris Jericho to jump and beat the ever-loving piss out of Hiroshi Tanahashi, wouldn't it? Uh, Again, you know, it's going to come down to the differences in these contracts. And I got a feeling, too, that the deal that Jericho had signed with both of these promotions greatly influenced what Moxley did with both of these promotions. Oh, I'm sure. Knowing Knowing that he had... You know, the potential to go with AEW, New Japan was probably protecting something in there that Jericho got away with or, you know, vice versa. Uh, and it, and it, in the case of Jericho, he's got so much going on there. And he's one of those individuals that we've come to expect you don't need to advertise that star power because in the back of your mind, you think he's going to show up somewhere. And, and he likes it. He's, he still likes that element of surprise. I think that would be fantastic. I would love to see him jump Hiroshi Tanahashi and beat the ever-loving hell out of him and then shout at Okada and tell him, you know, basically, if you beat Tanahashi tomorrow, it's because of what I did to Tanahashi. And Tanahashi, I'm still going to come kick your ass. And Oh, man, I just think Jericho could have a field day with this. Well, I think, you know, not even at the press conference. I think he'll he'll certainly be playing off of that thing. I can even see any – he'll take the social media with some videos afterward. I would more expect him at that show. When those two are actually in that ring together with all the beef that we just recently saw go down. Personally, I would love to see him jump him at the press conference and have Naito sitting behind him asleep. I think that would be fantastic. Uh, Let's talk about June 25th. We do have a couple of uh, openings here that I find me a little intrigued. The Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship is going to be on the line. Zack Sabre Jr., the defending champion against Yoshihashi. We knew that at the culmination of Kazuna Road. But Yoshihashi has also talked Zack Sabre Jr. into putting his G1 spot on the line. So if Yoshihashi beats Zack Sabre Jr. to become the British Heavyweight weight championship Yoshihashi will take Zack Sabre Jr.'s spot inside the G1 which tells me Zack Sabre Jr. is going to retain his championship on June 25th uh it it pretty much takes it up to like what a 99.9 percent that he is going to retain there yeah and I kind of thought that they might actually make that move, that they could use that as, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. going to reclaim the British Heavyweight Championship from Yoshihashi at Royal Quest in London on August 31st. That whole storyline made absolute sense to me. So now I'm going to flip it around because I had thought that El Fantasmo was going to retain the British Cruiserweight Championship over to Gucci, but... El Fantasmo and Taija Ishimori just won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships from Rapungi 3K. So now he's El Fantasmo two belts. So he can lose the British Heavyweight Championship to Taguchi. He's still got a Japanese championship that he's running around. And you do Taguchi and ELP at the Royal Quest for the British Cruiserweight Championship. It makes all the sense in the world to me. Makes sense to me. I got kind of like that too, man. Uh, Fantuzmo. Fantuzmo. I like <laughs> it. I like it. 
ELP, he's he's quickly catching on with me, man. I feel bad for poor Robbie Eagles because I feel like El Fantasmo has absolutely taken Robbie Eagles' spot inside of the Bullet Club. And if Robbie Eagles wants it back, all he's got to do is become the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion by beating Will Ospreay in Australia. Good luck with that one. Even though it is your home country, I don't think that's going to go well. Uh, Huckleberry, let's talk about MLW. Um, and by association, AEW and the WWE, because it seems as though the WWE and AEW are both interested in Jacob Fatu, of course, the Ooh, cousin good. of uh, the Usos and Roman Reigns. Um, I guess it, it's time to choose your path, Huckleberry. If you're Jacob Fatu and both of these organizations are coming after you, which one do you choose? Oh, wow. Uh, this is a tough call. You know, I, I remember uh, it was a few months back before we really got the, the TV announcement and all that, and we asked Craven right here on You got two phone calls. WWE, AEW, legit, which one do you answer right now? And he was very, very firm in saying he would pick up and prefer to go to AEW. That's a different scenario, though. You know, for someone in Craven's position, his size and all that, he probably has, you know, the opportunity, more opportunity inside AEW. Or he would be able to potentially seize those opportunities at a quicker rate than going to WWE. Uh, but if you're Jacob Fatu, it's a different case here. I mean, you've got family history. You've got you've already got success Generations. there. You've already got success there. But, you know, your biggest fear is, though, that when Vince McMahon sees you, he just remembers Umaga. Yeah, that is and, a and not, terrifying. And, and, and not say that Umaga didn't have a great run there, but he was handcuffed by that gimmick. Yeah, uh, you know, just just being that savage monster. I mean, obviously, he had a a prime spot at WrestleMania where he was featured alongside, you know, Vince McMahon, Bobby Lashley, and, and President Trump. Uh, but you know, he had that ceiling there. It was in that that handcuff that was placed on him by that gimmick. You'd have to worry that you're not going to be hit like something like that when Vince McMahon starts sinking his teeth into your character there. But everything else there, if you can avoid that. I mean, this you've essentially you've got you've got the smell and bloodline. I mean, you're, you're pretty much the next evolution of Samoa Joe. Yeah. And that's the thing that's so interesting is, is kind of that correlation. And I guess I would feel a whole lot different about it. Had we not seen Samoa Joe inside of a WWE context? That's my struggle here is I look at Jacob Fatu and everything says you belong in WWE. And then the bell rings, and this motherfucker is violent. I mean, just straight up pure violence. And they're not going to let him do that in the WWE. How does that translate? Samoa Joe is probably about the best reference that you could possibly have out there. But man, I just feel like he would be, you keep saying handcuffed. He, he would be so more free to do Jacob Fatu stuff inside of AEW. Yeah, and that's going to be something he's going to have to look at. And again, we know that AEW right now is paying that top dollar, but is that going to be the case in five years? Where are they going to stand? I mean, you've got a better chance with WWE. You know their deals in place. You know the Fox deal. You know the Saudi money. And they just have that history. I mean, there's no sign that they're going anywhere, and it's going to continue to get better. So if you're looking for that security, you're looking for that top spot in this industry, speaking business, you know, why not? I, would it be such a shame? Let's say that, you know, he goes there and gets placed into a role where he is almost um, 
to Roman Reigns what Kane was to The Undertaker. Yeah. Yeah. Badass Roman Reigns. Chicken Fatu'd get cheered over Roman Reigns. Um, okay, let's play Choose Your Path again. If you're MLW, how do you play this? Because if I'm MLW, this is a moment where you can say, we're going to go this way and try to be our own thing. And Jacob Fatu is going to be the face of the company and we're going to pay him and we're going to keep him here no matter what it takes because we cannot lose Jacob Fatu. Or do you reduce yourself to being Ring of Honor and just accept that your biggest stars are going to be leaving the company every two years and that this is the ceiling for MLW? We're never going to get any bigger than what we are. I think this goes back to what we were talking about, that that second tier dance card. This is a very crowded floor here. These people are going to have to define themselves. Who is going to step up? Who's going to stand out? I think you're absolutely 100% if you're MLW and you want to set yourself higher than Impact in Ring of Honor, then you have to make a move like this. I mean, you have to move full force with him and, and put that promotion, put that marketing machine behind him to get him out there. I mean, just not signing him to make your core audience, that's just not enough. You have to fully utilize what you know, what you have here, what appeal he is going to offer, and how you have unhandcuffed him. You're letting him be himself, especially with this group inside Contra. I mean, you have something very special. You know, we were talking about, you know, this these could be your your franchise players, your dynasty going forward. You know, even potentially now that you've got locked that you've got extended contracts, you know, where they can rival the Heart Foundation. Can that move this company forward? Can they elevate themselves over impact? It, it's going to be very it's Hey, we open up this show talking about free agency in the NBA. You talk about some drama going on. It's all between AEW, New Japan, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor right now. And then, you know, where can they where can they survive at? And who's the WWE going to continue to pick off? Let's talk a little bit more about Contra. We've got a big Contra match coming up. Of course, Contra is just they're the terrorists of MLW. MLW wants nothing to do with them. But there's two guys who just recently signed with MLW that's like, we'll fight Contra and we'll kick their ass and we'll make sure they don't come back. And that is Ross and Marshall Von Erich. That's right. We're talking about Von Erichs on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast in 2019. God bless professional wrestling. Huckleberry, this match is going to be unsanctioned July 6th inside of Chicago. The Von Erichs versus Contra. I'm not sure how I even read this. Is this them saying we have huge hope for the Von Eriks and they are going to come in here and just set the world on fire and, and finally put Contra in their place as they've been just running wild through MLW or is this going to be Contra just feasting on the new boys coming in the door? It's going to be interesting how this plays out. You know, I've always been a fan of both of these Von Erics, but it's always surprised me that they've never really been able to find a home. They've yeah. always just kind of wandered the desert well, for and- so long. And I wonder if, if maybe their time has is almost passed, maybe just because I, I was aware of them so early. I, I, I do career. agree with that. But I, I I wonder if part of the problem has been that there hasn't been an alternative to WWE. Because after the way that Kerry Von Erich was handled, I mean, the Texas Tornado, he wasn't even Kerry Von fucking Eric. After the whole Texas Tornado thing, you know, I could easily see where the Von Erichs are just like, 
no, we, we don't want anything to do with Vince. We don't want anything to do with WWE. They tried the impact thing. That didn't necessarily work out. There was no AEW. I think they would have loved the Von Erics in Japan, but, you know, maybe uh, saying, they were know, waiting for this. They, they've tried those places. I mean, why didn't it, why didn't it click in Impact Wrestling, TNA? Why, did, why didn't it work over in Japan for any of those promotions? Why was there you know, nothing really there? I think they did a couple spots there with Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like they've never been able to find that spot. Uh, and you know, to me, especially with this revival, uh, if you would, of sorts, with the NWA, you would want a team like the Von Erics at the forefront of that. Yeah, you would think. And that this whole the, – the thing that kind of bugs me about this – the Von Erichs got signed to MLW shortly after that dark side of the ring came out about the Von Erichs. And it really brought the whole Von Erich legacy kind of back into that forefront. And I almost wonder if it was MLW just kind of striking while the iron was hot. Because, you know, if you put Von Erich on a marquee, even in 2019, people are going to be like, wait, what the hell did that say? Hey, you want to sell some real tickets? Do it in Texas. Put, no, put Lacey on that marquee. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about Lacey Evans here uh, in, in, in a little while. Um, do you get any kind of a feeling here? What, Which way are you leaning? Is this going to be the Von Erics? Even being competitive in a loss, I think, gets them more over at this point because Contra I, just seems unstoppable. Well, I think one of the things you really got to look at here, unsanctioned, that, that certainly gives the advantage to Contra. Well, and we also keep in mind, too, this is the same show. Jacob Fatu is going to be taking on uh, Filthy Tom Lawler. So Fatu, I I have a feeling he is not going to be involved in this match whatsoever because he's got bigger fish to fry, right? Well, you, you, you never know with a beast like that. You know, he, he can there be everywhere that. and anywhere. Uh, but, you know, I could see I could see the Von Erichs getting a win here, a uh, big debut win here, kind of establishing himself. But I, I like the, the correlation you made between – you know, the dark side of the ring in this is this is this a PR is this, you know, let's strike while they're hot. Well, let's see what we can get here. So I think it's going to be more telling maybe in six to eight weeks where they are standing in this company rather than where they're standing on July 6th. Really looking forward to that event, July 6th from Chicago. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Ring of Honor. And I mean a, a little bit because there's not a whole lot to talk about until next week. Next week, we're going to have the Best in the World preview. Um, and, and one of the big things they're teasing for Best in the World, Huckleberry, is Villain Enterprises in search of their fourth member. Our, our friend Kevin Eck put up an article on ROHWrestling.com yesterday kind of exploring some options. Who could be the fourth member? Is it going to be somebody from inside of ROH? Is it going to be somebody that Marty and Brody met on the Best of Super Juniors tour in Japan? Is it somebody from a completely outside different promotion? Or what I'm wondering, is it going to be the new leader of Villain Enterprises, and this is the farewell to Marty Skrull. Uh, man, all, all great questions there. Uh, best of the world. I've yet to get the, the air here locally in Southern Ohio. They have not announced the main event yet from that, so I'm hoping that they'll, they'll, they'll just let me in on that next Saturday before the event. That's awful because it's been a, it's been announced for what six weeks. I, I know, and they still haven't aired that, that episode here yet. Awful. That, that's one of the drawbacks with Ring of Honor. You know, one of yeah. the things that, that worried me about them moving forward when we're talking about all this competition, they they have to get, they have to, you know, iron out these wrinkles if they're going to remain competitive. Uh, Villain Enterprise, goodbye to Marty. There's been so much speculation about what kind of contract is he working on here? Is it a handshake? Or, you know, what's going on with New Japan? Where is he headed? 
Uh, so much up in the air. We've discussed this many, many a times that we believe Marty should should fly on his own. You know, and that doesn't mean leave Villain Enterprises, but essentially stay away from AEW, from the elite, uh, to show and to show that he is capable of that and reestablish himself where he's just not, you know, Gilligan the little buddy to to Cody Skipper. I know it sounds insane, and I can't even believe I'm gonna say it. I think Marty should go to NXT. I really do. I I think it is time for for Marty Skrull to go to NXT and face off with Adam Cole. And and finally, we can get the Adam Cole versus Marty Skrull feud that we've been waiting for for, what, two years, three years now? When we look at and even outside of that, I mean, that's going to be one hell of a program. I think that would be absolutely incredible, especially if you saw Marty, you know, work out a couple, you know, work out these dates here. But if he could, if he showed up at NXT, you know, in Toronto, would absolutely change the course of of the gold brand right now. The and it gold would standard. have to happen then. It would have to be in Toronto because it would have to happen before AEW launches TV. Yes, I think you need that momentum. He is absolutely that that star, that shakeup that they really need down there. To we were talking about how the tag teams on reset. Everything, everything in NXT right now is kind of. It seems, I don't want to say stale, but maybe, I don't know, same old, same old. Maybe you know what I'm saying. It, it's not bad. Yes and no. I mean, I I feel like it's definitely in flux, and it, it's we have this interesting blend of kind of. I guess what would almost be like two classes ago now elevating themselves to the the main event of the card with Undisputed Era, Velveteen Dream. And then we have a whole bunch of new talent coming in that haven't necessarily established their names, but they're still names that we know. And it's like on the WWE main roster, there is no lower card. There is no middle card because in creating the two women's champions and having two world champions and two sets of tag champions, there is no mid card anymore. That's half the problem with the WWE and the 50, 50 booking thing, right? Inside of NXT, there's like the biggest mid card that you have ever seen on a pro wrestling roster right now. There's just not a whole lot of separation between Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Velveteen dream, Matt Riddle, and then everybody else that wrestles as a single inside of NXT. Well, you know, I think it would be really interesting with Marty. Obviously, you got the Cole thing. Uh, anything with uh, Chop, I'd love to see. Gargana would be great. Uh, the villain versus the dream. Yeah, I mean, right. you got so many potential programs. You know, what would be very, very interesting, though, you debut him there in Toronto if you could get him to sign. And you go in there and let him know, hey, man, NXT is going to be your spot. Let's be realistic. You know, unless something, you know, drastic really changes, we've got plans for you here for a while, but you're going to be a staple, which it it creates more of an interesting kind of narrative because you've got Marty leading, essentially one of those people leading the charge against AEW. Yeah, which is a fascinating dynamic, right? I mean, yeah. that that's just great stuff. I mean, all that history between all those guys and, you know, Guys like Cody and the Bucks, they're going to call up Marty and be like, dude, you should say this. And then I'm going to say this. And then the fucking Marks are going to lose their goddamn minds. And it's good for business on both ends all the way around. Well, it's you know, just I think good what, for business. I think one of, one of the subtle first things you'll see, you know, have you heard that right when you hear Marty sign, Cody will change out the uh, the cane and start using an umbrella. 
yep. to crutch I, yourself just, around. Just little stuff like that. Let's talk about NXT this week. Um, of course, led by Swarmy Dick Adam Cole, your new world champion. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa posted a video yesterday. Did you see that? Yeah, Tommaso Ciampa working out 15 weeks removed. He's getting closer, baby. I like I like the little uh, hashtag baby. Just so just so Adam Cole knows. Keep Goldie uh, nice and polished up for us here. Undisputed Era comes out, and Rick, they do something I have been waiting for for so long. This awful open that NXT has right now. They come up with a brand new one, and they come out, and it's the same music, and it's like the same graphics package and everything, but it's all Undisputed Era all the time and all of their great accomplishments throughout NXT. It's just fantastic the way they put this together. Kyle O'Reilly's like, yeah, it's not much, you know, it's just just something I threw together last night. And the NXT crowd lets out with a thank you Kyle chant. It was absolutely freaking hilarious. These guys are so over and it's driving me insane now. When I watch NXT, I just want to watch it with the freaking mute button on because they just cheer everybody. Like, there's a six-man main event here later that features Undisputed Era being the biggest douchebags they possibly can be, and that full-sale crowd is just cheering them on and yucking it up, and it's just like, oh, my God, just shut the fuck up and boo the bad guys. Well, it, it, that's that's one of the things when you get into this overly sparky group. That's it, fine, like, if you want to take to the internet in, 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 in you know, discussion circles or... You know, like over on Facebook and Hami Media Discussion Group or in the PW Hustle. If you want to have those conversations about, you know, each of the talents without really going into character and all that kind of stuff, that's one thing. But when you go to the show, buy into it. Just play, play along. along. I mean, it, fans, you know, they so often, they, they want to be a part of it, right? Well, at one point that became they want to take it over and hijack it and, and you know, grab the wheel and drive where the machine is going there that doesn't work that's not helping anyone out you're not showing them appreciation by sitting there and cheering each and every one of them because it's a slap in the face to the work of the heel i'm watching adam cole and i'm watching kyle o'reilly those two guys in particular they are working so hard to get booed and these fans are just popping left and right for everything that they say and i'm just i'm they're, they're working their asses off trying to get any kind of heat whatsoever and there's just none to be had they're interrupted by Velveteen Dream, who is then interrupted by Matt Riddle, who is then interrupted by Tyler Breeze. All no, see, I didn't like I didn't like that part. All three of these guys start taking shots at Adam Cole, right? And so what I'm thinking here, Rick, as I'm looking at these three guys, it, these are the next challengers for the NXT championship, right? Like I assume it's gonna be Matt Riddle first. And then we'll get Velveteen and Tyler are going to square off or Velveteen and Roddy are going to square off and Velveteen's going to lose this title. And then the next challenger is going to be Velveteen. And it's like, we're just setting up challengers for Adam Cole. That's very much the way that this felt to me. Uh, yeah. The only reason I didn't like it is the way that they did the this whole presentation just screamed red and blue to me. I like that more, you know, that fast pace, just get to the point style that you used to see in, in NXT. But, yeah, they're just doing business, setting up some business here, going down the road for, for Cole. Uh, and then, as you know, we talked about just a moment ago, everything's waiting for that big return. So then you have your big main event is going to be that six man tag at the end of the match. Um, I forget which one of the Undisputed Era it is, but they toss Velveteen or they toss Tyler Breeze into Velveteen Dream. 
And that's what causes Velveteen Dream to be, ah, he's pinned by Roderick Strong. That's what happened, which makes me think that Roddy is going to be the one to take that North American championship from Velveteen Dream and then undisputed two belts. Well, what you do with that at that point is you have Cole ultimately cost Dream. Yeah. Yeah. So it sets up, you know what? Okay, you got me on that one. Now I'm coming for yours. No, I'm coming for your belt. Yep, absolutely. Um, Matt Riddle, I think, is probably the guy that's going to end up taking this title from Adam Cole unless we keep it on Cole all the way until Ciampa comes back. It, it, I th- you know, the interesting thing there, we were so convinced they would maybe go with Gargano because of that story already in motion and, and how invested the people were. And then it was real easy to jump on, okay, now we want Cole versus Ciampa. I think it's just Ciampa's so good right now that anybody, that anybody is holding that championship when he comes back. Now the trick is, though, we were just talking about these fans, how they're cheering both. Ciampa's going to be a babyface when he comes back. Yeah, no, no matter what they do. So do you position it like that? Because I think at that point, fans will boo Cole. See, that's what I don't know. Psycho killer, Adam Cole. Psycho killer, Adam Cole. That's exactly what I expect, and it's going to annoy the piss out of me. It's going to be psycho killer, baby. Psycho killer, baby. Psycho killer, baby. Just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I think he. I think he has. I think. I think Cole has a better chance of keeping the heat than some of these other individuals. And I, I would really be interested to see how Riddle will even handle a situation like that. Where, I mean, against yeah. anybody, whoever's holding that belt, Ciampa's going to be the favorite, even if they are splitting cheers somewhat. Like, I mean, it's sixty forty or whatever. The, the majority are going to be going for Ciampa. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, let's talk about, uh, well, actually I got to get this in here. Adam Cole with the line of the week. When he tells Matt Riddle to go back to his keyboard and start talking more smack about attitude era wrestlers (laughs) and the crowd lets out with a Goldberg chant, (laughs) I popped, I popped so freaking hard. That's what I'm saying, man. Adam Cole is working. He's doing everything he can to get heat. And he got a Goldberg chant out of it. I mean, come on. You Full Sail fans just disgust me. One person who does actually have heat down at Full Sail is going to be defending her NXT Women's Championship next week. The Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler, is going to take on Io Shirai in a steel cage match for the NXT Women's Championship. Huckleberry, it is the Queen of Spades versus the Queen's Quest. One of the queens is going to end up coming out of this thing. I'm just really hoping it's Shayna Baszler. I want to keep this thing going. I am all about the double turns here recently. I want to see them somehow turn Shayna Baszler into a baby face. That's the only thing left for Shayna Baszler to do inside of NXT. I want to see Shayna Baszler be a baby face. I want to see Io Shirai as a heel. And that's the only reason that I want to see this match. Uh, the, the only... I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm on that train. And I would hate to see this thing switch like this at just a, at a weekly show. Oh, I would be pissed. I mean, this is this is one of those moments that we've been waiting for that would happen to happen on a bigger stage. But everyone out there has been listening to us. They know where I stand. I don't want I don't want Baszler defending at the next, at the takeover at SummerSlam. I want her to ride that thing on into SummerSlam itself. I want the NXT Women's Champion against the Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. We have laid out that story so many times. Anything other than that, and I am going to be absolutely heartbroken. Our good friend Damian Priest. 
makes his debut against Raul Mendoza this week. A nice pop for Damian Priest. That was absolutely encouraging. Um, Rick, did you get a chance to see this match? Uh, I actually did. I've actually, I actually did. Okay. Watch this, yeah. I watched. I was binge watching some NXT this week. I absolutely expected this to be a squash match. Were you surprised at how much offense they gave Raul Mendoza inside of this match? <clears throat> no, not exactly. I think they're still going to kind of build up on that. Damian Priest is. They're going to present him as as the monster he is, but still green where he is learning. And then once he gets to that point, once he figures it out, that's when he will ultimately be uh, one of those top dangerous individuals. What do you think of the uh, fire archer gimmick? I guess I really didn't think about it. <laughs> oh man. He did it like a half a dozen times where he's like pulling I, back the arrow and I know, I, know, I, just, and it was I like, guess maybe it just didn't jump out to me. Eh, I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, the breakout tournament is going to be starting next week. We saw uh, a vignette on the breakout tournament, William Regal announcing it. Uh, Jaqueen wild, otherwise known as DJ Z is going to take on angel Garza next week. Garza jr. Uh, Rick, the thing that I really took out of this, we ran through the, these brackets last week was as they were introducing all this talent, they actually put on the screen FKA formerly known as DJ Z Garza jr. Shane Swerve Strickland Trevor Lee, like if you're going to acknowledge these were their names before they got to NXT, why don't you just let them keep their fucking names? I think it's about it. Uh, I, I was think, confused by I, well, this one. I, I got I got two. I got two sides of this one. Either one. It's a rib because everybody that just goes absolutely insane anytime that they change change someone's name. Uh, or it's about, you know, when you when you get to WWE, this is a different or you get to NXT, WWE, whatever you want to look at it is this opportunity is about changing your entire life. It's about reinventing yourself, going to that next level, you know, redefining yourself, if you will. Uh, so it could be that or it could just be something as simple as God, they, these fucking these fucking Mark Tards absolutely go insane when we change a name. Let's just rub it in their face. It is absolutely possible. Uh, let's talk about Mia Yim. Got to see uh, a Mia Yim vignette. Uh, Rick, I thought this was actually really interesting because I've never, her entire time inside of NXT, I have always viewed Mia Yim kind of as that gatekeeper. Like we were giving her some wins so that she can be kind of like we've talked about with Tyler Breeze, Ty Dillinger, your last feud on and and inside of NXT is going to be against Mia Yim. And then you go up to the main roster. That was kind of the role that I had seen Mia Yim fitting into. But then I saw this vignette. Are they setting Mia Yim up to be a, a legit contender to whether it be Shayna Baszler, Candice LeRae, like whichever direction they decide to go with her here? Well, with that, I mean, you really have to establish that, correct? So you take a couple months, maybe you take the remainder of 2019 to really establish her as one of those top contenders. So if you do go into that gatekeeper role, or you know where she's the where she passes that torch, she's that final hurdle for you. Uh, you could still they could still go there, but first you have to build that strong foundation. 
Let's hope that they're moving Mia Yim into that role because Candice LeRae is about to become the NXT Women's Champion. That's what we want. That's absolutely the goal right now at this point. Uh, let's talk about the women's match this week. It was it was kind of a World Cup match. It was Brazil versus China. Tainara Conti taking on Zaya Lee. Uh, these two tag team partners, you get a code of honor at the beginning, and then after a couple of minutes, Tainara Conti just goes bipolar and completely loses her shit, gets super, super aggressive. Zaya Lee ends up getting the win here, but this is a perfect example of Lacey Evans. This is Lacey Evans versus Lacey Evans. When I was talking about in NXT how all of her matches felt so rehearsed and everything was so contrived. That's what this match was from both ladies. Like this, it was a fine match, but you could tell it was like one, two, kick, one, two, duck a punch, come up again, duck a kick, come up again, monkey flip. Like it was so contrived. Well, you know, they're learning the style and all this, so they want to be prepared for that television. But yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, this this is like something you would see like on Dancing with the Stars, where they show you the clips of how they've been practicing all week, and they're trying to get every little twirl or lift, you know, right down in right down in sync. Uh, absolutely had that feeling with it. Hopefully they'll be able to work that out going forward. I feel like both of these ladies should be further along in their development at this point. Tanera Conti's been down there for two freaking years. Well, it's, you know, getting the television, getting an opportunity like this, this could be one of those things where it's, okay, we, we've got to start pushing you more to see if you advance. It's about time to shit or get off the pot. Yeah, I'm thinking it's time to get off the pot. And that sucks because I was really high on her when I first saw her. Street Profits take on Forgotten Sons next week. I, I was not clear if that is going to be an NXT Tag Team Championship match or not. We saw the Forgotten Sons on their championship parade. I, I thought that's very much what they were doing. Like, hey, we won the NXT Tag Team Championships. The Raptors get a parade for winning their championship. We want a parade. And there's like 15 people standing outside a full sale um all in all man i thought this was a great episode of nxt i look at this one hour of nxt and they did more than all five hours of monday night raw this week there was five hours of raw this week well yeah because i'm counting smackdown as hours four and five of monday night raw smackdown live no longer exists it is all monday night raw that's pretty much how i feel about the red and blue at this point it's just five hours of raw Oh, man. Uh, I did. I, I actually I had Raw on again. And, you know, I, we're going to talk about it here a little bit, but it, I didn't mind this week's episode, but I didn't retain anything from it. That's and then SmackDown, they didn't do anything. Then SmackDown really wasn't. Uh, I did. If you want to call it that, the, the highlights or let's say I just did the clip show. Like I have this real nice chair, right? And it's like one of those gaming chairs. It's what I'm sitting in right now. It's real comfortable. And there's like a pillow on the headrest and it's got like a lumbar support. And Quinn comes in here and she gets in this chair and she just wants to spin in freaking circles. That's all she wants to do. And I feel like that's watching Monday Night Raw. It's like you're doing a whole lot. You're going around in circles real fast, but you're not fucking going anywhere. That's how I feel about WWE TV now. They just, they're not doing anything. What have they done in the last two weeks since Saudi Arabia, other than announce that we're going to have a bunch of rematches from Saudi Arabia? Well, you know, this is half and half. I guess this is a good transition for us into this damn thing. But if, and I was just looking at this card and some of these different stipulations as we're going into stomping ground. If I didn't, if I didn't submit myself to the programming for the last couple of weeks, a month or so, whatever, 
I, I think I have a much different perspective. I maybe excitement level heading into this thing. Regularly say this: if you just watch the kickoff show and those great vignettes, the great promo packages they put together, you could get excited for these shows. But it's when you sit there and subject yourself to the weeks of programming and build that leaves such a sour taste that you're completely turned off to what's WWE. So let's start things off with your stomping grounds preview. We're going to kick things off with your WWE. Rick and I don't know what the fuck is going on. Cruiserweight championship because neither one of us watched 205 live. I you know what? I hold on. I have been watching some 205 live. Oh yeah. How is it? What do you think? I, it's, I actually enjoy the program. It, it, what's, what's very refreshing about it is, is the commentary team. Uh, very, very refreshing. Who is it's, that? It's, Nigel, um, uh, um, the guy married to Eddie Guerrero's daughter. We got English. Yeah, I, I, I like English. And, and who's Nigel. the main guy? Is it Tom? It's not Tom Phillips. No, it's not. It, he's a, he's another one of those. I can't remember his name right now. It's he's another one of those kind of like cookie cutter Tom Phillips kind of you know spinoffs. Uh, but it, but it's a little, a little refreshing. Robot. And he's well, and it's a little refreshing because you can tell he's not being produced by the same people backstage. Oh yeah, that. That certainly, helps. which is going to change that dynamic. You know, it, it's still he's in that he's in that middleman WWE commentary role, but you can tell he's not being produced by the same individuals and all that. Uh, but to me, though, again, how they how they determine these number one contenders, there's not a ton of story here. It's like okay, each let's just run out matches for number one contenders. Well, the way I understand it is Tony Nese demanded that he have a triple threat match. Uh, so he'll be defending the uh, Cruiserweight Championship against Akira Tozawa and Drew Gulak, who just had a killer match against Kushida a couple of weeks ago down in NXT. Just because of that match, I'm going to take Drew Gulak to win this thing. Just going off that match, uh, it's this is another question. It's more about timing with, with these guys and who's got the hot hand. Uh, Nice is still hot, and he's still relatively new, just taking that title not so long ago. It was WrestleMania, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's still hot there, and they seem to let those guys have longer runs or they make their switches during those big events. So I I could see him retaining there. I'm going to go with Drew Gulak to win the Cruiserweight Championship and then move Kushida immediately to 205 Live. Kushida is not going to learn anything in NXT. He's already one of the best professional wrestlers on the face of the planet. He's not a spring chicken, even though he looks like he's 12. He's not getting over with that full sale audience. It's just, it's not clicking. He's going to get lost in the shuffle inside of NXT, especially when they're getting ready to do this breakout tournament and he's not part of it. You may not even see Kushida until after Toronto again, because they've got so much content coming up for NXT. I say go ahead and move him to 205 and just see what in the hell happens. Give him an opportunity. Give him a platform where he has a a chance to shine instead of kind of getting lost in that sea of NXT. And a great way to do that, have Drew Gulak win the Cruiserweight Championship and say, I might be the champion, but I don't feel like the champion because just a couple weeks ago, I got beat by a guy from NXT. I want to face him to prove that I am the best cruiserweight in the world. And then Kushida comes to 205 Live and beats him. First match. Boom. That's what I would do. Uh, Let's talk about the New Day. The New Day is going to take on one of my old favorite tag teams, Steen Erico, now known as Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, There's still that speculation that El Generico was Sami Zayn, which just seems 
completely ludicrous to me. They don't even look alike. Simi Zane doesn't even wear a hood. For God's sake. Huckleberry, this is going to be Big E taking on Xavier Woods, who just suffered a loss to Dolph Ziggler, which tells me he's probably taking the pinfall in this matchup, too. Um, can we please... Like, I was so happy during the Superstar Shake-Up when we split up Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and one was on one show, and one was on the other, and then the next week we came out with this stupid fucking wild card rule, and now I see Kevin Steen and Sami Generico on both the red and blue every week for like 15, 20 minutes. Well, this is one of those cases, you know, if, if I wasn't like in tune with what was happening during this build, just seeing this on paper or, you know, or how they could put this together in. This is something that would be different inside the WWE universe. This is something you could get excited about, you know, top four talents, uh, guys, with, you know, each, each team has had tremendous history together. All that's there that would be intriguing. Unfortunately, we've seen this thing, how it's played out, uh, which, which greatly takes away from, you know, just my personal interest level. And I'm and from what I'm seeing, reading, uh, the same goes for so many others. Uh, but w- Kevin Steen, or God damn it. He's been in the WWE long enough. I shouldn't be making this mistake anymore. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have been fighting each other for literally like 15 years at this point. Like they've either been fighting each other or fighting together against someone else. Just so that one of them can turn on the other one. And it's, I just, I don't want to see it anymore. I'm well, so burned out. You know what? That's, that's absolutely the problem. We did. If they go that route, we, we cannot go that route. This will all be for nothing. This will be an even bigger waste than, than most things that they do. If we get another, Sammy turn on Kevin, Kevin turn on Sammy. What if you know, this whole thing, I, I mean, would it pop you a little bit if we got the turn on the other side? Yeah, it, I, I've been waiting for the Big E heel turn because I, I feel like Big E should beat the shit out of both uh, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods for replacing him with Kevin Owens in like one day. And and I know it's it's I mean it could fall under that category, lowest common, but it's so simple for WWE to get to that. Because you could play off Big E being pissed at why he was on the sideline, how they kept rolling, or you know he felt disrespected in some way. I, I'm not asking them to really to, to go anything that I beyond that I believe that they're capable of. That's a simple reach for WWE to make. The problem is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are so goddamn good that the, the two of them together just have such good chemistry that we can't split them up. Even when they do split them up, they just end up bringing them back together. They're too good. Gilligan and the skipper reference again, man. They just need each other. Yeah. And they, and they can't seem to get off that island. Yeah, it's a damn shame. Roman Reigns is going to take on Drew McIntyre because we haven't seen that match for the last three fucking months. Um, yeah, that's this is one of those where we go back to we don't need anything here. And I love that, you know, this match was all about setting up. If you beat Shane then you get Drew, which that didn't happen. Will we still get this match? But even if so, I mean, who, who cared about that stipulation? These two fight every week. Yeah, there's there's nothing new here. Uh, Roman Reigns even recently said in an interview he doesn't know which show he belongs to anymore because uh, he got drafted to SmackDown and then they they put in the wild card rule and the next week he was on Raw. He, and like this week he was on Raw and he wasn't even on SmackDown. For God's sake. I mean, come on. 
Drew McIntyre is just being pulled down by all this shit. The only thing that is worth any of this for me is if Shane McMahon becomes the WWE champion and Drew McIntyre is the man that takes it away from Shane McMahon and turns into the biggest babyface in the company for finally ridding us of the best in the world, Shane McMahon. But that's not what's going to happen, Rick. That's not what's going to happen at all. It's going to be Shane McMahon is going to take the title from Kofi Kingston and then Roman Reigns is going to rid us of Shane McMahon. That's what's going to freaking happen. And then we'll all embrace Roman Reigns because we're all so annoyed with Shane McMahon. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. This this thing is going to backfire on them. Yep. Uh, major backfire. And to, just, you know, to speak to what, you know, to Drew McIntyre, he looks like a million bucks. He looks like a superstar. That only goes so far within your booking. They, they have done absolutely zero to promote him. Not even promote him. They have gone so far that they are ultimately damaging any potential they have with him. But in typical WWE fashion, they just think I'm sitting they can go over and hit a light switch. And just because they turn it on, that people are going to see the light, that they're going to buy it and believe. No, people are seeing what's happening here. He has, he's, I don't think he's had a pay-per-view win this year. Uh, he has no marquee wins. He is being made into Roman's bitch. And more so, he is the underling to Shane McMahon. He has turned into that sidekick goon. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, the revival is there in terms of at least Drew doesn't look that bad. Yeah, there is that. At, at, at least at least Drew is getting somewhat of corporate cane treatment while the revival are, are being looked at as the stooges. And it's, it's the same thing with Samoa Joe. Like, how long have we been saying Joe needs a win? You know, and it, it's just every time Joe gets himself into these big spots and then he loses. And after a while, you just tell well, me that- at least in case. Go ahead. Well, at least in the case of Joe, we don't see him continually playing second fiddle to people. With Drew, it was with Dolph. Then it was with Baron. And now it's with Shane. I mean, when are you going to stand up? And you've talked about how you are your own man and you're coming here to hold people accountable for, for how they handle their business in, in this era. That was all bullshit. That was all for nothing. You are a second-hand stooge, and that is all you've been, Drew McIntyre, and that's going to stand out and be remembered through the creative. The way that this thing is being built, I completely expect Heath Slater to cost Drew McIntyre this matchup, and uh, then we'll have you know six months' worth of uh, 3MB beating the hell out of each other, at which case Jinder Mahal will teach Drew McIntyre and Heath Slater the ways of Shanti. You and, know, one uh, of the uh, put three MB back together. Hey, you know, at this point, why not get the merch? Right, I think Fuck they could yeah. probably sell. They could sell about two months worth of merch, wouldn't they? Yeah, we're going to talk about Jinder Mahal again later. It's I, I, awful. I, I, two Jinder Mahal references on this show. I, I love how you brought up uh, Heath Slater. There, a, a tweet that popped me this week from Lance Storm, the great Lance Storm. Uh, he was questioning how come the Good Brothers made all this money, but Heath Slater cannot work to take care of his kids. <laughs> Oh, that's great stuff. Let's talk about uh, uh, Samoa Joe versus Dickashay. I mean, Ricochet. I mean, Butt Plug Holly. I mean, Spark Plug Holly. No, no, Ricochet. Ricochet. Samoa Joe versus Ricochet. Uh, Been a little bit of controversy going on about Ricochet here uh, the last couple days. Um, I, I 
think Samoa Joe just goes over strong here because I think if Vince McMahon gets word of that, you will never see Ricochet ever win another match. Uh, talk talk about stabbing yourself in the back. <laughs> I mean, this would have been an exciting match, correct? I mean, this is something oh, motherfucker, new. That one. <laughs> I thought I went too far with butt plug Holly, but man. I mean... When this when this happened on Monday, this is something you know fresh that people are going to be excited for, right? I mean, although it's just going to be you know flips flops and then Joe putting him down, uh, now this might be an absolute murder. I actually thought Ricochet was going to win this match because Samoa Joe doesn't win big matches. Not anymore. Uh, neither does Ricochet. Nope. And now it looks like <laughs> we'll be using. Uh, hashtag ricochet not fine ricochet is not fine ricochet is not fine the planet's tag team champions are gonna take on heavy machinery you, you know you think you know after after this booking ricochet is gonna seriously be left behind <laughs> he feels it all slipping away <laughs> um daniel bryan and eric rowan you know the angry vegans they're gonna be taking on a team Whose catchphrase think, is steaks Billy, and weights? You think, uh, you think Billy Gunn might be sending him uh, some legal letters? I'm a nice man. Season to <laughs> Yeah, I'm a nice man. All right, Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan versus Heavy Machinery. Like, there's no way Heavy Machinery is taking this, right? Like, there's no way. Like, I, but here's my fear, man. Is I, I, I am actually surprised this hasn't been announced in the pre-show. This is my fear. We know Vince McMahon has a very, very specific set of criteria for what makes him laugh. And if you can make Vince McMahon laugh... You will be on TV forever. Example, our truth. All right. You know, Vince McMahon thinks Otis is fucking hilarious because Otis is fucking hilarious. I love Otis. Yeah, it's just there's Otis and the other guy. Do you think Vince McMahon likes Otis more than Daniel Bryan? Because I do. I think that Vince McMahon thinks that Otis is a better property to have on his television every week than Daniel Bryan. And in that respect, I could see Tucker and Otis winning this match. Oh, wow, man. It, this could go so many different directions. I, and I always just wanted to know, as soon as Heavy Machinery made their de- debut, how long would they last before Vince was like, I don't need the other guy? Yep, I just need Otis. And, and then especially with the crew. And he eventually probably could. And this one, this one just stings to the core. Everything that you just laid out there in Vince's mind and how valuable he sees, you know, just the the borderline, you know, mentally unstable Otis as com- as compared to you know one of the greatest performers on in the world today, in Daniel Bryan. Uh, very scared. I can see them going in there too, you know, trying to manipulate this because you, you got to think with Daniel having some creative control, he would have to be able to shoot this thing down uh, unless they are planning on repositioning him back in one of these title pictures, correct? I, you would think, right? 
There's no way. You think Daniel Bryan's going to lose to the stakes and weights, guys? I mean, but the worst part, I can see it. That's the worst fucking part. I can see it. Oh, this is, this is dangerous. Don't be surprised. Uh, hey, uh, again, I'm surprised they haven't, they haven't announced this thing for the pre-show. If heavy machinery goes over. Jargo told you so. I Sometimes I don't like to be right. But. Okay, you know, it, it's not often that we see Daniel Bryan get pinned multiple times in a week. And I can understand getting pinned by Kofi Kingston, the WWE champion. Oh, I think Rowan would take the pin. Rowan would take the pin. In oh, yeah, match. yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking there about Daniel having to take it. But even to take that loss. It's, I mean, it's rare that we see Daniel Bryan take losses multiple times in a week. Man, when that is, you suppose Daniel Bryan has well, buyers you, you, remorse? You, you had you had me so terrified there when you were actually laying out uh, what would make sense in Vince's mind that I immediately went to he's going to have him pin Bryan. That's how that's how terrified I was when you were making that much sense. Well, he has the little guy. I'm I'm wondering how long until Otis ends up on two hundred five live, like as a rib, like he starts convincing everybody that he's under two hundred and five pounds. He does like the the exact opposite gimmick of Crash Holly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, actually, that could be pretty entertaining. Let's talk about the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey is gonna take on Little Miss Bliss, Alexa Bliss. I'm sure uh, crazy batshit nuts Nikki Cross will be somewhere around there. Uh, Huckleberry. Well, she's she's gonna be in the corner. She came out. She came out and said that after Bailey, she had seen that that Bailey has her selfishness has robbed Nikki of an opportunity to to claim gold in WWE. Uh, when she lost the the tag team match with the Iconics, she is blaming Bailey for that. So now she wants to be with Bliss in her corner. I think it is time. I think it is time for the double turn. Yeah, I, I want to see a double turn here. I want to see Bailey go full on heel. I want to see Alexa Bliss turn 100% babyface. I think Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross are going to end up the new team. Hell no. You know what? This match itself, a complete turnoff to me. I'm okay with, with Bliss going with Bliss going baby uh, because this act is wearing a little thin with me, especially the her manipulating that mean girl going out finding someone you know lesser well, of her. That's the thing, you. right? It's it's so predictable that Bliss is just manipulating Nikki Cross and blah blah blah. What if what if Nikki Cross actually gets to Alexa Bliss and Bliss turns herself around and becomes a baby face and then she helps you know Nikki Cross become you know not so batshit crazy and that's how we maneuver nikki cross into that oh, other no. character that they've been teasing and yeah dude, okay just, okay yeah but, but, then that's, that way. but then that's gonna lead into where vince wants them to go on like shopping vignettes where they're uh-huh. going to do a, a makeover get yep. their hair done they're going to the beauty parlor i, I you know what in a sense i'll give you all that i i just don't want bailey to turn and that's something personal. I, I she's in that role she's so good at it i, I don't care how much they have they have botched it there it still is salvageable people can still gravitate towards there's still money in her she doesn't need to be a heel i think you're going to be surprised i will be surprised if bailey is cheered over alexa bliss in this match i think bailey would get cheered for turning heel <sighs> I, but I, but to me in the long run i don't i don't think the investment is there with her I mean, what does it do? I mean, you know, to, to little girls like Quinn to see that Bailey would do something like this. I think at this point, I think Quinn would rather cheer Alexa Bliss than Bailey. 
I, I, but why do we have to have one or the other? Let's get them away from each other. That's why I don't like this program. I thought it was bad booking between them. They got themselves in. They, they backed themselves into a quarter where they didn't have a whole lot of depth and they weren't investing in anyone. So they had to come up with something on the fly. Yep. Uh, that that much I do agree with. Let's talk about the Raw Women's Championship. Speaking of coming up with shit on the fly, uh, Becky two belts down to Becky one belt. Could be Becky no belts by the hey, end of Sunday. I, hold on. Shh. Shit on the fly. Could that be Ricochet's new uh, nickname? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. You made me smile while I talked about Lacey Evans. That's an accomplishment right there. See, I got you. I got you. I got you. You got me. Oh, shit on the fly. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, Becky Lynch is going to take on Lacey Evans for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, Lacey Evans is going to win this match. She's going to become the Raw Women's Champion, and I'm going to hate it. I mean, that's just that's just how I see it going. I, I hope not going back to because I need I, I want to keep continuing with with Becky here and, and I want that match with Baser at SummerSlam. I don't want there to be a break in in her championship run. Get Becky out of this thing. Get Becky out of this thing and let's go back to square one with Lacey Evans. Okay, I'm going to remind you of that when we cut to uh, what I assume will be the main event here. WWE Championship on the line. It's going to be a cage match. Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler. There's no chance Dolph Ziggler's taking this championship from Kofi Kingston. Like somebody better than Dolph Ziggler. Somebody bigger with more heat that can take the heat because there's going to be a lot of heat. No matter who beats Kofi Kingston for this championship, there's going to be heat. That's why I think it's going to be Shane McMahon. It's not going to be Dolph Ziggler. You're going to need someone that's going to be able to handle that heat. It, it's someone like Shane could can use that to his advantage. There are very few. The, uh, Shane Dolph and Ziggler. Baron Corbin, those are the two guys. Well, and it's not so much with even Dolph. He couldn't handle it. Why? Why does he need that heat? Right. You know, why does he need that? Why waste that heat, heat on Dolph Ziggler? Right. Well, and here's the bigger thing. You know, we know that Dolph, that Dolph he's, I mean, he's pretty much back just on short term, right? He's just coming in, getting a payday, helping them with some things. Um. What screams that to me is this is this match isn't about Kofi versus Dolph for the WWE championship. That's why they put the slap a gimmick on it. Because no one's believing it. No one cares. So at least now with the cage, you're hoping for shenanigans or a big spot off the top of the cage from two very athletic and very dynamic talents. The, the, this entire match is backwards. I mean, number one, you have the heel requesting for the steel cage to stop interference from the outside. I mean, d- does that on any level make any kind of logical sense? And no, I what- mean, especially in the sense of to stop interference. Right. Now, if Dolph, if Dolph would have continued to play with it, you know, going on that thing that I'm going to make you pay because it's what you have should be mine. I want the cage so that I can inflict as much pain and damage on you. That's what a heel would. That's right. what a heel would do. Nope. Not worried. I'm not worried about the new day getting involved. Yeah. Nope. I just I I, I got to prove that I can out wrestle Kofi Kingston with no outside interference. Not that I want to use the cage as a weapon. I just want to stop Big E and Xavier from interfering in the matchup. You know, the three biggest baby faces on the blue brand. I, I got to make sure that they don't interfere in the match, and my match is fair. Well, and even further to further that, why isn't Dolph reaching out to Owens and Sami Zayn? As they're tied up with, you know, everything tied in with the New Day. And then we've got those guys teaming up with Baron Corbin. Because uh, Dolph Ziggler has no friends. Uh, and Baron Corbin doesn't really have any friends either. But Dolph Ziggler certainly has no friends. 
He screwed well, I guess I guess he learned after he took the took a couple of them claymores to stop trusting people. I was gonna say the only person that he didn't screw over was Drew McIntyre, and that's because Drew McIntyre screwed him over. You know, so it's a whole new Dolph Ziggler. Should have been me. Gosh, you, you know what, what? What I really didn't like here is if you really wanted to create something interesting in here, because no one from the very get go, we all know that Dolph's not going over in this thing. Uh, why didn't they play more into the history with Big E? Right. Yeah. Not not even a mention. I think they did it like just in passing once, like in one of the first initial promos or something like that. But it wasn't enough to, that it was significant enough to, you know, to get people thinking in the back of their minds, you know, start, you know, laying those, those seeds of deceit, which would get people interested. And I know maybe a naysayer would be like, well, what if they're going to do the turn during this match? Well, going into it, I don't have any interest in this thing. Right. You know, so why wouldn't you start building that so that I would be paying attention? I would be on the edge of my seat during this thing thinking, okay, how is the cage going to play into this dynamic and where does Big E truly stand? Yeah. It's a damn shame, too, because this should be a much hotter match than it is. Uh, WWE Championship of the Universe on the line as the arsonist Seth Rollins takes on former constable general manager fuckface Baron Corbin. Um, with evidently a special guest referee that they're teasing is going to be Brock Lesnar, which tells you immediately it's not going to be Brock Lesnar. And evidently Seth Rollins is beating everybody who's even thinking about being the guest referee up with a chair other than Matt Hardy. I, I, I did. Why didn't he beat up Matt Hardy? I thought that was weird. Um, but why would Matt Hardy be meeting with Constable Fuckface about being the general manager like is Matt Hardy not a baby face at this point like why would a baby face be meeting with a heel about being the special guest referee well I know you know we're talking about with Dolph you know that wasn't you know what not what a heel would do here and they're like and they were getting a lot of like some some feedback towards you know why is Seth Rollins going around just attacking people after not just I could see you know maybe you're taking care of your business you want to go with that edgy kind of approach from your aggressive champ but, I mean, just straight out lying to people's faces and then attacking them. Well, I mean, remember, he the only way that he won the championship of the universe was by punching Brock Lesnar in the dick. So, I mean, you know, how honorable is he, really? Yeah, I mean, at, yeah, at that point, I mean, but but you're, you're, you're wanting people to invest in him. You're, you're wanting people to believe in that there. You know, there, there's a fine line, you know, between, yeah, what Austin was doing there. It, it, Austin presented it much differently than what we're getting from Seth Rollins. There is no one out there in the world uh, that woke up Tuesday morning and was like, oh, shit, Seth Rollins is, is ultra cool now. I mean, you're not getting that same dynamic as a Stone Cold. What you kind of got is you got a cowardly champ who's on the run here. So you said earlier that Becky Lynch was going to retain the Raw Smack or the Raw SmackDown Women's Championship. I yeah, wish it was. Yeah, the Raw SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, the Raw Raw Down Live Women's Championship. Yep. Well, actually, we'll just call it the Raw Women's Championship because SmackDown no longer exists. It's just five hours of Raw. Um, so I feel like one of these two is losing. The way that they're building this whole thing where they're both champions and they're dating and we're showing them kissing and shit on fucking TV. MTV, music awards, one of, movie awards. One of these two is losing the title. Is it going to be new champion of the universe, Constable Fuckface? Or is it going to be, I don't deserve to be here, Lacey Evans? Man, I, I could see them ending the show here with Becky coming out and 
replacing the ref when they go down and Becky makes the three count and you have her and Seth standing tall together because they want to go with this stupid power couple crap. I'm going the other way. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say Lacey Evans beats Becky Lynch and Constable Fuckface says, since you're going around and hitting everybody with chairs, I'm going to make your girlfriend the special guest referee in this match. And then Lacey comes out and lays out Becky and there's a whole bunch of Tom fuckery because Becky's unconscious and then Constable Fuckface grabs a chair and beats the shit out of fucking Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is dead. Constable Fuckface pens him and Becky has no choice but to count the one, two, three. And Becky costs Seth Rollins the championship of the universe. And you are left with Constable Fuckface as your WWE champion of the universe. Uh, okay, then they are left with zero viewers on Monday night. Well, they're already fucking halfway there. Jesus Christ, half half the fucking audience tuned out between Raw and SmackDown and the key 18 to 49 male demo. Like, what the fuck does that tell you? Uh, everything you laid out there, I, I'm, I'm actually today, uh, and, uh, today, Saturday, Sunday, uh, any kind of church religion that's open, I'm going to stop by those places and pray to that God that, None of that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Makes too much goddamn sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I want to know what Baron Corbin has on Vince McMahon. That's what I want to know. Because there's there's obviously some kind of Tom Fuckery afoot here. Homegrown. That they're so convinced. It's it's going back to that. He's their he's their clay. They they want to mold him. He's the opposite of Roman. It's just crazy. He's getting that good shit reaction. It's good shit. Oh, push, Rick, push ricochet. That's good <laughs> I was shit. Gonna say, I feel like there's a ricochet <laughs> joke here somewhere. <laughs> so that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then make sure that you head over to thegorillaposition.com where they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Make sure that you hit our friends over at lastwordonprowrestling.com for all of your daily pro wrestling needs. Hackerhameen.podbean.com where Huckleberry Monday in the locker room. We are going to have to review this fucking show. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to it at all. Until then, you can find us at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network at hittingthemarks.com. Check out all the shows streaming on now on the network. We're almost up to daily content on there. It's kind of crazy. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo, although chances are if you are somebody that I don't know and you message me, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you. Especially if you're from a foreign country and you like start sending me pictures of myself. It's just weird. That actually happened the other day. That sounds a little disturbing. Yeah, it was it was kinda creepy. Huckleberry, how do the stalkers find you? Well, I will be hitting up a, a variety of churches, temples, <laughs> uh, synagogues, whatever is out there. That's where I'll be all weekend. Uh, so I had I'm gonna send out to, to all those prayer warriors. Uh, please a shout out to to whoever you believe in, whatever you believe in. That, that nothing that Michael Jargo described in the WWE Universal picture uh, actually goes down this Sunday. We'll talk to you Monday in the locker room. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. I don't give up. I'll be your bad guy.